Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. And as always, I have my partner in crime, Neil Kulong, to my left. Good evening, Neil. Good evening, Lance. It's good to be here at a, a kind of normal hour following a, a post a primetime postgame. I haven't done many of these this year because usually I am dead asleep by the end of one of these games. But uh, Central Time gives you that extra hour. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, I was confused about the time zone uh, for Minnesota. I thought it was um, mountain or something, but glad to know that it's central. <laughs> I, I had no idea. <laughs> if you looked at a map, it doesn't get much more central than Minnesota. I mean, that's straight down the straight down and, the middle. Lance. Man, I I don't know Dakota's it's a dive of states. Dakotas, Minnesota. Uh, the Dakotas, most of the Dakotas are central. You get over into the actual mountainy areas, western North Dakota, where all the oil is, that's mountain. But You know, it all blends in. I mean, it's cold True. places in which I've never yes. been, and no. I, <laughs> you know, may never, may never go. So, you know, they kind of all just, you know, hey, man, you know. Americans in geography we're you know we're we're, we're pretty terrible but enough no, time of, zone you're in Lance you're yes. in the northern time zone yeah exactly but uh enough of the bad geography from the CMU grad welcome all my <laughs> Steeler fans that have joined us for the post game and it was a historic night uh Ben Roethlisberger got a victory in his last what we seem to or everybody seems to think will be um, his last game at Heinz Field. Before we jump into uh, some of the numbers of the game, if you want to check out the program, make sure you go to, to YouTube and do a search for The New Standard and Lance Williams or Neil Kulong, or you can go to your podcast feed and do a search for The New Standard and Steelers. Please give us a like and subscribe. But before we jump into some of the numbers of this interesting game uh, that was co-starring the Cleveland Browns, who uh, did their best to make sure Ben Roethlisberger got out of this game uh, with a victory. Uh, what's your initial thoughts of, um, you know, this game and just uh, before we jump into the numbers and Ben Roethlisberger, you know, his legacy, and we'll jump into that a little bit more, his legacy overall as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Oh, boy, we don't have enough time to go over all of that. That's uh, it, it, it. Honestly, you and I were texting during the game and you talked about immediately, I believe the word was boring. And I don't blame you for thinking that. Um, ben, I'm sorry, I'm distracted. Ben, I just looked at Ben's numbers there, just laughably bad. Yeah, let's like, wait. God, let's wait till bad. we get into these numbers because the the numbers. I don't from think he's this ever game, played a game like this in his career. Man, the numbers from this game, and we were close because we said oh, the over under on Ben's passing attempts would be close to fifty, yep. but yep. we didn't. And we'll get into the numbers. We didn't just, think that it, it would it just be. just don't make any sense at all. Yeah. My, my initial thought really was, I, I thought it was an entertaining game. I like defensive football. I think you saw um, good elements of that. I thought Cleveland played a good defensive game. Um, they, they did a lot of good things, a lot of interesting things. Uh, Pittsburgh really stepped up in a, a way that you and I both kind of suggested you know, call it magic or whatever. It was like nothing in this game really favors Pittsburgh winning it. And Pittsburgh dominated it start start to finish. Cleveland, you called them participants. I'm not even sure I'd call them that. I call them spectators. They they didn't – offensively, they were miserable. I have no idea what Kevin Stavansky is trying to do with this team, but they looked horrible. 
um, offensively in particular today. I thought they did well defensively, and it made for uh, a, a pretty compelling game, I thought. I, I, I enjoyed it. I think there were enough storylines in this game, and we'll get into that with the numbers, um, to, to see the value of it. I think a lot of things were uh, interesting for two you know, at best mediocre teams. One of them is already eliminated from the playoffs. They're kind of playing to not be last place in the AFC North at this point. Um, Steelers have one heave and pray left for a, a, a playoff spot, and they needed to win this game to do that. I think Pittsburgh wanted that uh, a bit more than Cleveland did. I'm not sure what Cleveland did tonight, but uh, second half in particular, they were miserable overall. Yeah, it's, it's very rare that I – criticize a professional athlete or a football team as as strongly as I will with my next comments but this was almost like fireable and and that might be an overreaction a little bit but fire maybe yes like this was <laughs> if you're going into your employer's office at the end of the year for your your you know your exit interview and they're looking at your team to try to make an evaluation. Nothing makes sense about being the number one rushing offense in the national football league going against the worst rushing defense in a national football league and running Nick Chubb four times and a half. And at one point in the first half, Baker Mayfield had as many tip passes or batted down passes as completed passes. If you wanted to do a knee-jerk reaction as a ownership group and you wanted to clear everyone out, this would be the type of game where it would kind of constitute kind of that knee-jerk reaction. And, and, and look, it's fine. As a Steeler fan, I'm glad that Cleveland, you know, they became the clowns. They, they basically – are the Cleveland clowns that Steeler fans laugh at consistently. This was they a clownish are, they performance. That they, they earned that tonight. Yes, they, they were, were bozo-ish. They that was, was a really, bozo really game. <clears throat> I mean, it was it was it was laughable to the point where it was like, I don't know what they're doing. Maybe Ben put a call in to Cleveland and said, Look, man, you guys aren't making the playoffs. Just let me have this one. It felt like a mulligan game. From their perspective, it felt like, wow, like, you know, like I tried to avoid the knee jerk stuff like, man, they didn't prepare. They weren't prepared. Those cliche things that when we talk about about teams, but Ollie Howard species 56-118 said it best. It's just the Browns being the Browns. I mean, they weren't even home fries or hash browns. They were just the Browns. That was really bad. But let's jump into some of these numbers. And you talked about Ben's numbers being in a winning effort, being quite comical. Oh my ben God. was 24 of 46 for 123 yards, one touchdown, one interception with a 56.2 quarterback rating. Oh Both gosh. teams threw the ball a combined 84 times. I'm just going to round up to make the math pretty easy. They threw it 84 times for 300 yards, a little bit more than that because it was 185 and 123, but they threw it over 80 times combined for 300 yards. 
This is the National Football League. Yeah, you you have never seen a game like this. Anyone listening to this right now, you've never seen an NFL game like this. That keep in mind too, Mayfield got sacked nine times. Nine (laughs) were all over him the entire game to throw that often and to have terrible results. Ben averaged two point seven yards a throw. I don't think I've ever seen an NFL quarterback. It, above maybe 10 passes with that low of a yards per attempt. That is easily the lowest game of, of Roethlisberger's career. And I don't think he was even all that bad. I mean, he wasn't good, but we, we've seen him play better, especially lately. But, oh, my God, those numbers are just, they're they are obscene. <laughs> he just, Mayfield, I'm not sure what Mayfield's excuse was or what the, the Browns were trying to do. It, Mayfield was, to me, without question, the, the, the lesser of the two quarterbacks tonight and to be less than the quarterback who averaged 2.7 yards of throw um which i believe is Najee harris is going into this game uh his yards per yards per attempt as well um what a game it's just weird Absolutely that was weird that was just one of the weirder numbers in this game the other number of course that you brought up was the steelers getting nine sacks in the game And, of course, when you talk about sacks and you talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think the question of who's going to win defensive player of the year has been answered as T.J. Watt had four sacks in a game, three tackles for loss, five quarterback hits to put his number to, correct me if I'm wrong, 21 and a half sacks for the year. He is a, what, half sack or a full sack away from the NFL record? 22 and a half is Michael Strahan's record, and that's almost a a virtual certainty that Watt is going to uh, at least tie that uh, next week at Baltimore. Baltimore is not a good pass-protecting team, although I would say um, John Harbaugh is the type that will do everything he can to make sure that T.J. Watt doesn't (laughs) set or break a record against him. You you know what he'll do? He'll uh, chip him with a back and two tight ends. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't understand why Stefanski didn't do that. The, the slog that was blocking him all night long, he, he Watt gave that kid a beating. I mean, the, the, their right tackle was horrible. We've seen some bad right tackles with the Cleveland Browns over the years. In fact, Watt has feasted on them for the most part of his career. That dude, whoever he is, he he's he's not ready for prime time. He, he's, <laughs> as Coach 30 would say, Pissing down his leg, moments too big for him. He, he didn't belong out there at all. That I mean, kid. it was it he was got destroyed. An, Somebody you know, helped me out. A, what the, what's his name? I can't find it. Uh, number sixty six. Um, it was an incredible performance by by Watt, and uh, his last name is Hudson. Uh, the right tackle. His last Hudson. name was Hudson. Um, and that's an incredible performance by T.J. Watt. And we kind of talked about it uh, about the legitimacy of the record because. He's going to play. There's going to. It's a 17 game season. Although TJ Watt will not play in 17 games, do you believe that if he sets the record, it's diminished in any way? Um, I, I think you have to have it in the conversation because it, it's yes, he didn't play 16 games. Um, he'll play less than that. He'll get less than than what his average snap count will be. In fact. Uh, the, the key thing, though, is opportunity. You, you're getting a 17th opponent uh, in, in this case, the 17th week of NFL action that we haven't seen 
um, ever, and they haven't even increased the schedule in, in however long. They did that before they even counted sacks. So really, sacks have only been counted in 16-game seasons. Um, does it matter? No, because I'll point this out. He had four sacks tonight. He will be named uh, Defensive Player of the Week. I believe this will be his third time. There's no way he's not getting it this week. Uh, that was his eighth multi-sack game of the season, and he's played in 14 games. Eight of them, he had at least one and a half sacks. He had four tonight. I mean, it, it, it's you can't ignore that. Whether he has the record or not, he's going to be defensive player of the year. There's no, there's not even a shadow of a yeah, doubt. There's of no that question anymore. now. He he could have done that in two games and still won the award. He did it in three quarters. Really, he, he was he was absolutely unstoppable. And I I think that's really the lasting legacy of this season. Yes, the record is a big thing. I get that. Uh, certainly after the contract that he signed, that's going to bring all the attention that would, that should come with it. But the bottom line is if he ties the record, if he breaks it, people are always going to say it happened in, in you know the first ever week 18. He didn't play in 16 games anyway. So to be honest, I, I think it's just as valid. Um, you know, it, Keep in mind, too, this is something we should have brought up, Lance. It, Brett Favre dove at Michael Strahan's legs on a random – unprotected yeah, bootleg I remember that. for I remember Strahan that. to break the record in the first place. I remember so that. to be honest, you can make the argument, watch has tied the record tonight. So uh, to me, I, I if, if Watt gets 23, Watt earned 23. He did it in roughly 16 games, call it that. To me, that should count. You know, for me, I, I've made this, this, this question or my answer to this question very simple. They play 17 games. There's nothing he can do about it. If he gets the record, he gets the record. I mean, it just is what it is. There's yeah, nothing the, the he can do. The 14-game records had to go, too. Yeah. Everyone was screaming about yeah. Franco when he broke Jim Brown's record because he did it in yeah, – I think didn't he do it in 16? Maybe he did it in 14. I yeah, forget. I That's a 14. dumb point. Yeah, <laughs> this so is why I don't mean, go on late at night, Lance. I mean, but but the point is, look, you, there's 17 games. He got the record. He may get the record, so he gets the record. It just is what it is. I mean, yeah, records I'm, are cliché. Records. meant to be broken and in this case uh tj watt is going to break a record another strange number in this game to point out are numbers if you would have told neil and myself that 12 for 58 for 4.8 mm. yards per carry with a long of 32 and 28 <laughs> for 188 with a long of 37 we would have thought that 12 for 58 would have been Najee harris and 28 for 188 or 6.7 yards per carry would have been Nick Chubb. And this goes to, I think, I don't, it's hard to say in this game because it's really weird. You know, clearly when you look at the numbers, 28, 188, 6.7 yards per carry, the offensive line may have had its best game um, in terms of run blocking. But this was a weird game. I mean, because it, it, it's hard. It's a weird game. It's just a really good game from Najee Harris. I think you see everything that they like about Najee Harris, that this is the type of 188, what it'll look like for Najee. It, it won't be explosive plays. It'll be a lot of volume. It'll be a lot of six, seven, eight. You rip off the 37-yard run for the touchdown late in the game because he's beat up their front physically. That this is the kind of ideal Najee Harris game. So I thought it was very interesting from that perspective. And that I was really surprised 
that you saw the Steelers play so well against Cleveland and vice versa. Cleveland's play so poorly against the Steelers' run defense. Very weird game. What was your thoughts on the running aspect of this game being completely flipped? I thought it was great. It just came up in the comments exactly what I was going to say. Um, the pride of Woodbury, Minnesota, J.C. Hassenauer, in, in my opinion, earned the starting center job in this team. I thought he was excellent tonight. I, I'll, I'll go back and watch it again to make sure. But that line looks solidified. It wasn't Najee Harris. It was a line. They gave him an opportunity. You look at the last one, the, 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 the big run that he made. Harris had an opportunity to actually put a move on a guy. I don't know how many times he's even done that this season. He hasn't had a chance. And I don't want to bag on Kendrick, Kendrick Green all night, but there was a noticeable difference without him in there. Noticeable. Now, it, somebody help me out here. Did I miss something about the run game coordinator? Did somebody get hired to do that now? I'm not I, sure, but of course, you know, Clem I know the gone. offensive line coach left right. to be a run game coordinator, which made right. me laugh. And like, have fun with that, Oregon. Good luck. <clears throat> but I, I know it's a big thing now, and maybe that is something Pittsburgh needs to do. I wouldn't say um, clearly it, a, a run game coordinator would matter. What I know watching it is J.C. Hassenauer moved people. He didn't move backwards. He was doing things to the defensive line. We have not seen Green do that in a while. Green, in my opinion, has gotten worse. I think Green's lack of progress is why Adrian Clem packed up and took off to Oregon at the first opportunity that he got. He was going to get fired at the end of the year. There's no way that guy was coming back. Their line was that bad. Hassenauer is... We're not making a big deal of this, in my opinion, simply because I bagged on him a little bit just because it was kind of funny. He didn't even play at Alabama, and he's he's a backup with the Steelers, the worst offensive line in the game. J.C. Hasnauer has been with this team for two years. What you saw tonight was a veteran center performance, and that is exactly what the Steelers have not had all season long, with the exception of a lesser half an hour when he played a little bit earlier this year, he wasn't as good as he was tonight. I thought he did a phenomenal job to the point where it's like, Hey, you know what? I think we got our center here. I, I He can play. He's within their offense. He understands what he's doing. And I think he put it all together tonight and he was just vastly superior to Kendrick green. You're talking about your center. You know, one of the three guys that plays with the guy to his left and his right. But he's got to set up the other two because they've got the tackles and the edges to worry about. So your your center has to take on a lot of things uh, mentally in particular. You have to be able to call out protections. I, I think Hasnauer got to a point where he's able to do all of those things, and he put it on display. Now, he's not a physical freak by any stretch. He's not even all that big of a guy. You know, he, he's he's a smaller center. He's not going to be able to overpower people the, the way like a first round pick would, but you're getting good run out of a guy that you're barely paying anything for. And he's still young. I, to me, I think they might have an option in him. I, I thought it was, it was that good of a performance tonight. And it is not a coincidence that Najee Harris like doubled every stat he's ever put up in a game tonight. Here's the interesting thing. Also, it could be a case of did now, now, now explain to me, did he play a lot? for Alabama Hassenhauer. Was he mm. the starting sitter? No. He wasn't. So, okay, he wasn't the starting sitter, but there might have been some familiarity a little bit maybe between him and Najee Harris. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, they're on the same team. You know, in I mean, terms they, of how know, to Harris, set Najee Harris up a, a little bit. Harris was a, a, a blue chip play right away true freshman. Uh, Hassenhauer wasn't a starter. Um, I think they gave him, you know, a game or two here and there just for the time that he put in while he was there. But 
Um, they, they'd be familiar with each other in that sense. A center blocking and calling out a scheme is not dependent upon the running back. The running back being familiar with maybe what a center does uh, yeah, provides a little mean. bit more value, but it's not yeah. like he can block for Najee better than other guys can. It's not like the, the, the pitcher that needs his catcher to call the game. The center is, you know, he's playing his, with his back to the running back most of the time anyway. Here's what I always come to when we talk about guys that aren't pedigreed guys is you it always comes into performance pay pedigree and what i've seen in my years of watching football is they're always going teams are always going to give drafted guys an opportunity to be terrible now maybe kendrick green has run out of time to be terrible which could mean it's jc hassenhauer's job but i would say i would guess this that it's probably neither greens nor hassenhauer's job next year and you'll see a center drafted and possibly you see green kick to guard and maybe they found their backup in depth in hassenhauer particularly if hassenhauer is a guy who could play guard as well where at least from that perspective i think hassenhauer with this performance solidified his pot on the roster next year. I don't know if I'm, if he comes back and follows up this performance with a similar performance against the Ravens. And it doesn't have to mean that Najee Harris runs for 155, but just a solid performance against the Ravens, then he's definitely on the roster. And I think we'll compete for the starting center position. I'm going to march to M&T Bank Stadium and throw an absolute shit fit if he doesn't start next week. That's all I'm saying. I don't want to see. Oh, he's starting next week. He, yeah, he, he, he better. He's, he better. He's be. starting next week for sure. But it just it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if Tomlin pulls that shit. Like we went with this guy. We have to stick with him. Like don't give me that. Okay. Green was dressed tonight. Okay. They, yes. they said he was hurt. You you've protected the third round pick long enough. All right. He was a dog this entire season, and you know it. Sit his butt down, let him sit and watch. You know, my opinion, it, with all due respect to Kendrick Green, somebody that I've supported all season long, you've heard me talk about it. He wasn't getting the job done. Okay. Plain and simple, he wasn't getting the job done. He doesn't get it back now, in my opinion. He, he shouldn't no, get no. what what has he done to earn this now? Hassenauer had a better game than than any of Green's two games combined. It it, it hasn't happened. And Hassenauer isn't at all the pedigree guy that green is not that green is, is, you know, a Humphreys level guy, but it has an hour. Isn't nobody has an hour. Didn't even start in college, let alone the NFL. Where's he coming from? He's lower than low. He wasn't even a, a priority free agent. He was a tryout guy. And look at what he has done to get himself on the NFL stage and to play a quality game. I think it's incredible. I it, It's a great story. Stick with them. My opinion. Yeah. I, I think absolutely. I think um, this is an opportunity to, to see how he's going to play in a really big game spot where yeah. if you win, you I, could I potentially. I think this was a really big game spot. He's, yeah, absolutely. He's snapping the absolutely. ball with Ben Roethlisberger in his last home game. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a primetime stage. Yeah. You know, he doesn't get any bigger than that for yeah. Casey and, and <laughs> you know, also, and they have an opportunity in Ben Roethlisberger's last game, which yeah. might make it actually even bigger with the playoff at, opportunity. At Baltimore, yeah. And, yeah, and at Baltimore. They, hey, you know, you, you can't you can't rule out the playoffs. They're not eliminated. Um, it, it's still it's still up in the air. 
give him another one. Let's see what he can do. But to go into going to go up against Calais Campbell, keep that in mind. Let's see what he does against a, a monster like Calais Campbell. Might literally be twice the size of J.C. Asenauer. He ate Asenauer for uh, <laughs> he ate for breakfast. Put him in um, a bun, slathered some ketchup on him, and went to town. And had a Asenauer. Let me get it two sides. <laughs> Let me get some eggs and a side of Asenauer. But pride of Woodbury, at, Minnesota, baby. But to look at right some of the these road. other weird. Speaking of Minnesota, before I get into some of these other weird numbers from this game. Uh, go Bison. Go Bison. Um, we had a Bison call in there that there was a Bison ball player that got a sack, got a little stat there's, there. There are three of them on the team now. Do you realize that? There are three yes. North Dakota State players in the Steelers. Wait a minute. Derek Even Tuska. more rare, three. You got three NDSU guys on the team. Mm-hmm. But what's even more rare, and you pointed out to me, you got two black punters on the roster. Yeah, two black talking, you got two black punters <laughs> and three NDSU guys. I was, I was absolutely shocked when I saw that. Wait a minute, he's black too. How, 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 like six black how, how much weirder does it get? <laughs> you get two black punters and three NDSU guys in a game at the same time. Three of them are from Minnesota. There are no pro athletes from Minnesota. I mean, so I'm like, you know, like, wow. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, like. Oh, that was brilliant. So so that's, you know. So, what a game. I don't know why you didn't enjoy this game more. What a I, game. I was having a blast. What Here's a some other weird stats in this game. <laughs> Neither team converted 30% of their third downs. So Neither bad. team had 300 yards uh, of total net yards. Uh, neither team in the game averaged four yards of play. This was just a very weird game. Steelers um, and didn't have one receiver who averaged better than 8.8 yards a catch. I mean, this have was one just, guy over 10. This was, just, <laughs> this was just a very weird game. So bad. Um, Witherspoon, speaking of um, guys that may have played themselves onto the roster, what do you think about Witherspoon? Another big interception in this game. Witherspoon's been playing some solid football the last couple of weeks. You think Witherspoon has played himself onto the roster next year? I'm not sure what his contract status is. That's the problem. I think he's done enough in the the back half of the season. Somebody's going to pay him a bit more than what Pittsburgh would pay him. So, unfortunately, I think he's a, a, a comp pick guy. But um, yeah, good for him. He stepped up into to the role they asked him to play. He barely played at the beginning of the year. We made fun of him on a weekly basis. Now he, he's he's balling out. I mean, he he makes a play every week. Um, I think he's made more plays at the cornerback position than than any Steelers player in the last two years, probably. Um, no disrespect to Joe Hayden or anything, but I, in in what way is is it, Witherspoon not outplaying him? I think it's fairly obvious at this point. He's he's a better player in space. Um, I I would hope they they give him another look. I don't know what it would cost, but he signed one year, four million in Seattle uh, before getting traded to Pittsburgh. So I would think he'd at least be at that level, and a team will probably offer him a little bit more than that. You know, two yeah. years, nine million, something like that. It's a premium position. Um, two years, ten million, twelve even. Um, in a a, a pretty good. Uh, seller's market or buyer's market, which is what it will be. Yeah, I I would think somebody else would sign him. Yeah, he's twenty seven next year. Uh, his base salary for the Steelers was one point five million. And uh, apologies to him. I know we made you know we took shots at him uh, this year, but I think it goes to you know something that we've said is that it takes a little bit of time for these guys to get acclimated to new 
to a new system yep. and new coaching, and they're being asked to do different things possibly that they may not be comfortable with. I think a lot of times from the outside looking in, we think that these guys are just ready-made. You know, once you sign these guys, you plug them in, they can give you play. They can play solid football. And sometimes for pedigreed guys, maybe they can. But for regular guys, and I'm just saying regular in the sense that NFL guys are any anything but regular, it takes guys a little bit of time to be able to contribute to a team. Here's another number I want to throw out. And it's a streak that continues to happen every single year. Once again, Mike Tomlin will not have a losing <laughs> record. And I, I, I know I that is – I know that is a point of contention for some Steeler fans. Oh, it gets them so mad. Yeah, it's but but once again, (laughs) uh, you know, Mike Tomlin will get at least eight wins, and uh, you know they won't lose. Big up again. Yeah, no, big up the Super Steelers. He's new on the um, he's new on the chat. That's a new name that I've seen. Um, Again, I mean, you know, another eight wins, and you know, I was going back and forth. talking with my brother about the Steelers quarterback situation next year. And we'll talk more about this in the business season. And I I told my brother simply, they went, they had eight wins with duck Mason, duck Rudolph. And so the Steelers will not be scared of taking a non-conventional route at the quarterback position. Um, I, I think, uh, and Grayson said it, I hate the stat. <laughs> I hate that stat, LMAO. <laughs> yeah. Steeler fans hate that stat of, it, about it, Tomlin it, it not having. off like crazy. It really it does. Just, it's it just, great. <laughs> yes, it does. It it's just, just does. It's because he's had so many of these seasons. It's like yes. that one of them falls away. I. It, Another show, I think we'll we'll dive into the psychology behind that. But you know, it's it's you know, having been a head coach, I I will say this: it is. I mean, it is half full, or or what is it, half full or half empty? I mean, it is that feeling. It just depends on how you look at it, because given their situation and given their situation, certain seasons, you know, bad coaches would have bad seasons. Exactly, exactly. And you know, getting to eight wins at least puts you in the territory of possibly getting into the playoffs. You know, and there's something to be said for for trying to make the best of these situations. I think you said it best about Tom and Neil a couple of shows ago is he doesn't necessarily get everything out of it when it's teed up for him to get everything out of it. And that and that's a fair, I think, complaint for Tomlin is when they have everything. He didn't get everything out of it. And that's I don't Not know how lately, much of that is. He, you know, I don't know how much of that is him or yeah, as much as that is he ran into the best combination of quarterback coach in NFL history. Yeah. We, but then we get way, into that part. That's that's the tough one. You know, either way, when you're when you're competing against that that dreaded combination in new England, it, it was going to be tough, but yes, I know Grayson and Steeler nation hates that stat. And that's why I wanted to bring it up, but this was a weird numbers game. Let me give you another number because the broadcast was throwing out a bunch of numbers. 
I did not know that Ben Roethlisberger was the most sacked quarterback in NFL history. I Now, I'm not surprised because he got sacked so much during the Arians era as offensive yep. coordinator that I'm surprised he made it this far. But, man, they said he got sacked over 525 times. That's an entire season's worth of pass attempts. Yes. That's yes. Nuts. That and is I'd also like to point nuts. out, too, I just had somebody text me this. Ben Roethlisberger is the proud owner of the all-time record for fewest passing yards in a game, 123, with 45-plus attempts for <laughs> pro football reference. I'll be honest with you. If you would have asked me before the game who I thought had that record, I think it's Joe Flacco. I remember a game Flacco threw like it, it was something like 45 times for like a buck 10 or something. It, it, it was some ridiculous amount, but that, that was in many ways, a very Flaconian like game from Roethlisberger and that in and of itself, that in and of itself just describes, we're going to look back on this and remember the fact that it was a win. We're going to remember Najee's box score. And we're going to partially forget a little bit that this was a statistical anomaly in so many ways. This was yes. such a historically weird football game. Um, I, I hope people watched it and enjoyed it as much as I did because it, it just seemed strange from no. the start. And Pittsburgh was Pittsburgh never was challenged in this game either. And they no. had no reason for that to have been the case. They didn't that, dominate. They that, just kind of walked weird, away with it. it was, yeah, that was the weird, that was the weird thing. <laughs> oh, that was the this. that was the weird thing and everybody in the chat and and Super Steelers said it. It was weird that the Browns did not run the ball more against the worst run defense in the National Football. It was mind-boggling. This, it was they absolutely did it last week against Green Bay too. The, the, honestly, two reasons I can think of for that. One Nick Chubb has more of an injury than they're letting on, but for some yes. reason he's still out there. Or Kevin Stefanski is actively betting against the Browns. I, I can't think of anything else. Why else would you be having Baker Mayfield throw the ball as often as you have? He was terrible tonight. I want to say that again. And he was worse against Green Bay last week, and they're still having him chuck the ball 30 yards down the field in the fourth quarter. Why? What are you doing? It, it, their their entire game plan made absolutely no sense to me at all. I joke around with this because Stefanski is is uh, the poster boy for the the analytics crew for people who think they know what that means. Uh, Stefanski is a guy that uses that uh, a bit more openly, perhaps than other teams do. I can't think of any solid reason why they would have had the game plan tonight that they had. There's no reason at all Nick Chubb should not have been a more prominent member of of their attack. And should have been the entire game, too. There's really no reason why he didn't. 12 carries. 12 carries. You know, I, not that this is a, okay. a Cleveland Browns show. I, If you're the Browns, man, I, I don't know what you do with Baker Mayfield. Um, because, I mean, I think we can see in the AFC North. And let's talk about, before we, before we get into the AFC playoff picture, um, when you look at the AFC North, you can see it trending in a certain direction because of the Cleveland Browns getting the number one pick wrong and the Cincinnati Bengals getting the number one pick right. Just to boil it down to that, the Bengals picked the right guy 
the Browns did not pick the right guy. Um, and, 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 and Joe Burrow is clearly, I don't think he's the best player in the division, but he's in the top three in the division. I think TJ Watt is the best player in the division. I think Chubb's in that conversation, Burrow, uh, Cam Hayward. I think they're in the conversation as the best players in the division, but Joe Burrow, right now has the Cincinnati Bengals poised to be a thorn in the side of everyone in a division for several years. But what do you do with Baker Mayfield? I mean, I, I mean, he's, I mean, I think what they're going to try to do is paint the narrative that it's just, it's his shoulder and that he was hurt all year, but you can't have five batted passes and five completions like in a every, half. It was like every throw at one point. <laughs> Do you realize the Steelers defensive backs, uh, without Witherspoon, the Steelers defensive backs had four pass breakups, which is the same amount as the Steelers defensive line did. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's again, nuts. it's just weird. Like, what are you doing? Here's the thing. Let, let's go back to this. Uh, in the offseason, we went over the AFC North. You asked me who the best quarterback in the AFC North was. I said Joe Burrow, and it's going to continue to be Joe Burrow for a very long time. Joe Burrow is a multiple MVP player already. He's 24 years old. You can see it in him. He's one of those pathologically psychotic competitive guys, and his team is just going to have to win or face his wrath. He's that type. They're going to win a lot with him. So, unfortunately, that didn't work out. At the same time, I said Mayfield number one. I, I was more into Mayfield than I was any other quarterback in that draft. I felt he was the right one for a variety of reasons. What we are seeing right now, though, is regression in his game. He's not yes. playing well. Yes. And yes. I, I doesn't take you know Hank Stram to point that out. He, he doesn't look very good. There's something with his head that isn't right. And I, I to me, that was always the biggest drawback with him. When you get those ultra- uh, emotional outward kinds of guys, you have to worry about the peaks and valleys and that that's yes, been Mayfield throughout that's his fair. career. He's not, he's not stable. I don't mean to, I'm not being insulting. I just mean that he doesn't level out very easily. You know, he doesn't just kind of get into his game and go, he's got to have it at 95 miles an hour, or he's not going to do anything with it. And me, what you're me, seeing against Pittsburgh more often than not with him has been dead stop. You remember last year when they, they absolutely kicked his ass. The first yeah. half of the first pass he threw was an interception pick six to Fitzpatrick, from, from yeah. Minka. Uh, last year they got him good once and he had a good game once this past, uh, uh, the, the first time they played Mayfield was terrible. He was bad again tonight. It, it's like he's afraid of the Steelers, honestly. He doesn't have good games against them very often, but he's just so over-emotional about everything all the time. It just seems like he doesn't recover. When when things don't go well, he isn't recovering very well. And I was worried about that with him coming out, but he's he's talented. They're going to need to keep him. They're going to need to work on him, but they're not going to be able to commit dollars to him beyond probably two years, and that that's that's tough to do. But what, what are your options? You're not going to be able to start over right away. And you have too much money invested if you're the Browns in the rest of your roster. You've got to make it work with them. That's just the way it goes. Let me speak to Vinny Vlogs' point and, and pick up to Vinny Vlogs. That's a new guy in the chat. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show, Vinny. And Vinny wrote, I think they want to get a good look at Baker before they pay him big money. Don't want to pay a quarterback for the fruits of labor that is on a running back's back. I disagree with that slightly. I disagree with that slightly. 
first of all, they know what Baker Mayfield is. Yeah. He's played there yeah. four seasons. They, they, they absolutely know what Baker Mayfield is. And the reason they know it is because the offense is on the running game's back. If he were Joe Burrow, like they do with Joe Mixon, he compliments Joe Burrow. Their offense is behind the two running backs in Hunt and Chubb. So they know what he is absolutely. But to Neil's point, they're going to have to pay him. It's what you pay him when it yeah. comes to Baker Mayfield. It's do you make him, but it's, you know, it's what's how the quickly number? can you get out of the contract? Is yeah, and it's how quickly it's you not can the, get around the dollars. The look, you can't get around that. Market value yeah. for a starting quarterback for four years is going to be what they pay him. They're not going to be able to, to pinch pennies on a starting quarterback with an increasing salary cap in the NFL. There's no way. Yeah, I could negotiate that contract for him. Yeah. The transition <laughs> the, tag the issue is for around... them is going to be how much can we get out of this after two years because we're not sold on them long term. Yes. What's it going to cost in salary to not guarantee that third year? It's going to have to go way up to a point where that's going to signal renegotiation time yes, absolutely. between the two sides. I'll bet that his contract will be structured in, in a way that, that's kind of resembling of that. Yeah, you'll be you're a thousand percent right because right now I think the transition tag for a quarterback is around twenty three million, so it's going to be less than thirty. And the, the the line of demarcation or delineation in his contract will be year three. Will yep. they make a decision on whether they want to keep him or not? Because they're going to have to sign him, but it's going to be depending on whether he'll get the five years out of the contract. He's going to get probably a four-year extension. No, actually, I'll take that back. He's going to get a five-year deal because they're not going yeah. to decide next year. They're going to make yeah. him play out next year. But that's a, that, that's enough for Baker Mayfield. <laughs> a placeholder that's, year anyway. That's enough for Baker Mayfield. Let's get into the Steelers and the AFC playoff scenario. So that was a number that another number that they showed multiple times in the broadcast. The Steelers have an 8% chance of going to the playoffs and for them to make the playoffs they did the first thing that they had to do they had to beat the browns tonight they have to beat the ravens next week and the jags must beat the colts next week and that's and that's the thing that i think is not going to happen particularly after the Colts <laughs> lost to the Raiders. Well, I mean, this is bold prediction. That's my bold <laughs> prediction. That Probably ja- not. That that's I don't like not going to happen. You know what? The Colts don't play well in Jacksonville. Jacksonville's beaten there like three years It's a, a division now. game. That's that's yeah. the only thing. Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't rule it out, you know? it it It's a question of how much the Colts were. The Colts are in, right? The Colts no. don't need this game. No, the Colts have to win to get in. Okay, then yeah, we're, we're screwed. But <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's 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 not ideal, but it's not impossible. It's the NFL. Okay, it's a question of how much Jacksonville wants to put into it. I would strongly suggest for a team with an interim coach and a, a completely open-ended future right now, you got a lot of guys that are trying out for a lot of teams, and I I would think that in and of itself would be enough for them to want to put together an NFL uh, uh, level effort. I know that seems strange, but this is the kind of game that it's going to, they're going to need to get their players' attention this week. And at the same time, you don't have anything to lose. You don't want your division rival just walking over you into the playoffs. You bite down and give them hell. I, I'm not even sure that's necessarily the hardest chip. Uh, Pittsburgh beating Baltimore for a fourth consecutive time, which I don't think has ever happened in the history of their rivalry. Um, that's, that's a tough ask. You know, that in and of itself is going to be difficult. This, to me, was the, the big opportunity for Pittsburgh to get to that 500 mark 
um, and at least to, to wait to be eliminated until week 18, they were going to have to win this game. Um, I, I don't like them beating Baltimore. I just don't. Here's the other thing is we all know Wang Harbs is not going to coach this game like uh, uh, Stefanski did. No, freaking Harbaugh. Harbaugh's going to go down like the baby that he is. He's going to He's the guy who's going to pull out the surprise onside kick, and he's, he's going to do all this. Yeah, the, they're going to go for the guy it you hate down to play in bad times. Yeah, exactly. You know what? And 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 one thing I will say as we close it off with numbers, unless there's another number you want to bring up, Neil, is as you were going through the Steelers' schedule, reading off their victories, and at the time of the start of the game, the Steelers were a minus sixty-four in net points. That's points for minus points against. And they have eight wins. And, um, makes no sense. you know, and that's going to change a little bit because they were a plus, what was it, a plus six tonight? Uh, you know, maybe a plus, but more than plus six tonight because the final score. 12 get, tonight. Yes, so they were a plus 12 tonight. So, um, you know, it's just a weird NFL this year. Uh, and, and to think that, you know, they have a potential of getting nine wins and being probably around a negative 45 to a negative 50. You know, it's just it's just a very interesting year. And as I look at the AFC overall, I mean, the AFC, in my opinion, is just not a very good conference this year. And it's just one of those years where, you know, you can kind of be an average football team. You can win a game here or there, maybe win a game that you shouldn't. And you could possibly stumble into the playoffs. I think it's not likely that the Steelers will get into the playoffs, but 8% is better than 0%. So we'll see True. what they do uh, over, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but this is a very interesting Steelers season, quite entertaining, quite interesting. We've seen some numbers, especially this night, that I don't think you'll ever see maybe in NFL history. <laughs> let alone Steeler football history. So uh, kudos to the Steelers. It's been an entertaining ride this year. And so, Neil, before we get out of here, is there any last number that you may want to point out? Um, I, I, I spent the one earlier, the fact that no receiver ever. <laughs> Over 10 years. And that's happened a few times. How about this? We really want to get into it. Deontay Johnson, eight catches on 15 targets for 31 yards. Yes. <laughs> he averaged 3.9 yards a catch. Yes. And he had a touchdown. And he had a long of oh, 10. It's just embarrassing. And his long catch is so 10. Bad. This was, um, you know, but, but before we get out of here, I mean, Hey, it's been quite a ride for number seven. And, um, you know, one thing before we get out of here is where, where does Ben rank for you um, in the list of all-time Steelers players? You know, for me, uh, he's a top five guy for sure. I'm not sure where I'm I, I'm, I'm putting him, um, but, but he definitely ranks favorably somewhere in the top five for me. For me, he's number two. Um, mean Joe is number one. Ben would be number two. Um, evolution of the game comes around, and you see it. And it, Rogers kind of alluded to this. If you'd listened to the the uh, 
the Peyton and Eli broadcast of the game tonight. Uh, they had Aaron Rodgers on. He no spoke to this. To Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, they had him on. <laughs> <laughs> they had uh, Cower, which was great, but then they had Roger Goodell and uh, then Snoop, which was great, and then Snoop Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah, no one should listen to Aaron Rodgers. No, no but know. but go ahead, Cal guy. He, he made it. He made an interesting point. It, it it he spoke of Ben as an evolutionary kind of player, and uh, to some degree, his ability to play in the no huddle and to thrive in the no huddle, which was really something that that came up. Uh, probably about midway through Ben's um, career. The teams didn't do that that much. He had the K gun back in the day, but that's, that was different. You know, teams didn't practice it as, um, as mandate the way the Buffalo did for a couple of years there. Ben brought some of that back. Ben's uh, uh, ability to stay alive in the pocket, to be a scrambling quarterback, not necessarily a running quarterback. Uh, to keep plays alive, to make plays off schedule, and to to have secondary plays built within the structure of of a play, Ben brought a lot of that stuff in. Um, mean Joe was evolutionary in his own sense. He was really big and really really athletic for his size. There weren't a whole lot of guys like that. That's not the way football was played. You you won a gap. You didn't go after the quarterback in in the backfield as often. Mean Joe built a lot of that. When I think of the great players, that's the sort of thing that I look at. I think Troy Polamalu was a, um, an evolutionary player. The safety position is played today the way that Polamalu played it back in 2005 was really kind of the 2004, 2005, uh, really when, when he transcended the game. It, it's pretty standard now. You want a safety that can do that. You want a positionless weapon safety. Polamalu started a lot of that. Um, to me, those are the best players because they changed the game. The game followed them after it. Um, ben opened the, the doors for a lot of uh, his style of quarterback. And it, it's something, as a fan, I'm going to miss the hell out of it. Uh, some of the best games I've ever seen a quarterback play were, were with number seven. Um, that Colts game back in, in 2014, I think it was week eight, Probably the best quarterback performance I've ever seen. Um, That's the game against Andrew Luck. Yeah, where Luck played really, really well. And ben yeah, they both the had like 500 yards. They both were killing <laughs> Not, it. That that was, that's a fun game. If, if, this is, you know, let, let's put this on the list, Lance. Off-season project. Let's do like our 10 favorite games and highlight the games. You know, like really get in yeah, depth. That, that'd be interesting. I'd love to do that. I, I need to get that down on paper at some point. I feel like I've I've alluded to this a lot in my career i'd really like to actually do that well, i'm gonna i'm that gonna ask your that, staff to list. do I'm, I'm gonna ask your staff to do some of that heavy lifting first give yeah. us maybe about 15 games can do we that. Can, and we can pick from there that'd be yeah. a good article anyway maybe maybe break it up between i don't know, i don't the problem with things like that i don't want to put the weight of the playoffs on it necessarily a great game is a great game um the stakes of the game, I think, yes, can matter because I can't have this conversation without the, the AFC championship game uh, against the Ravens. To be honest you with you, that, was, that yeah. was probably the best game I've ever seen for me, for, for what I like to see in a football game. That, that's probably the best one. That's, that's, the, that's where everyone's going to say, well, it wasn't the out. Super Bowl. Like, yeah, but that's, still, that's, that's the game the where McGay got knocked out, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that, 
who hit him, knocked himself yeah, out. Too. And, yes, exactly. The perfect ending to the most savage display of physical competition I've ever seen. You know, it's interesting that you say that about when, a Ben. And it's probably my age. And, and, and if somebody put Ben above Bradshaw, I wouldn't be mad. But, you know, of course, you know, my age, 51, growing up in the 70s, you know, I always got a soft spot for Terry Bradshaw. And Terry Bradshaw went in the four Super Bowls. So, you know, I almost have, I, I, I always going to have green. I guess my top three would be Green, Bradshaw, Ben. Throw anybody else after those. But that's, you know, if you had a Mount Rushmore, at least those three are on Rushmore, followed by the Chief, and we'll just end it that way. And that'll be my Mount Rushmore, the Chief and those three. And that'll be your your Steeler Mount Rushmore. Yeah. That's that's solid. I mean, we we could go for days on that topic alone, you know. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Ben, I think Ben is – the the best offensive player and a lot of it too, getting back to the evolutionary thing. Um, quarterbacks aren't playing the game really at all. They don't have the value today. If it wasn't for guys like Bradshaw, you know, there, there's a right. lot that Bradshaw did as well. And passers just weren't as good back then as they are today. That's evolution. You know, the, the art yeah. got much more sophisticated as years went on. And to be honest with you, we talked about this last week. If you put Ben in his second season, Next to Justin Herbert right now, it, it's not even close. Herbert is yeah. nine million times better than Ben. Was. Yes, absolutely. they're just much better now. It, yeah. it, that's that's the game. That's how it works. Um, Herbert of probably end up being you know saying the same thing if they change the game completely around when he's eighteen years in and go into the Hall of Fame, which I'm sure he will. You're going to look back and say, "Wow, you know, Herbert didn't do anything compared to." Arch Manning. I don't know if you've seen that kid or not, but that's not yeah. I've seen Arch Manning. Well, that, that kid could play has... Division One. He's a sixteen-year-old. Yeah, he's I mean, got it, cut up. He's and... going to destroy the league. Yeah, unless is unless the Mannings kill his love for football. Yeah, that's, with, that's with, the with, only that's the only thing stopping him is something like that. Because he can run. Because he can run. That kid is incredible quarterback. Yeah, he, he can run. Quarterback. You know, when you're talking about a, the evolution of the game, it's I can't remember the article that I read. It was an article about Peyton Manning. And just how Peyton Manning evolved the quarterback position from being yep. able to play the quarterback position from the line of scrimmage, yep. essentially calling plays, altering mm-hmm. formation, just basically calling the game yep. completely from the line of scrimmage and having the entire playbook open to him at the line of scrimmage. The fact, the fact the teams to- didn't do that. The fact the quarterbacks yeah. didn't do that before. And you put that in uh, contrast to the fact that he had to go sell himself to Jim Irsay to get him to draft him because they really like Ryan Leaf too. Keep that in mind. That is well, when the game changed, in my opinion, when you well, saw Ursay, the result of well, that. Irsay and Ryan Leaf, that no, might have been a match made in maybe, heaven. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been even worse. <laughs> but just you, you, you picture that and you look at the fact that people legitimately thought Ryan Leaf was on that level. And then you noticed in like five games how wrong that was. And it was mostly because Manning could run the game himself. Quarterbacks, with the exception, we can get into this, that's kind of an offshoot, but with the exception again of, of the K gun with Jim Kelly, which was Kelly more or less calling plays, but in a hurry up fashion, not in a structured assign the blocking, the routes, everything, right. reading the opponent uh, from the line of scrimmage, exactly what you said, under center, not in shotgun keeping everything open you know it, it's just the sophistication 
uh, of that style, I think is very obvious today. It was, that was not the case in 1999 and 2000. It's not the game, the way the game was played. So clearly, you know, Ben's a first ballot hall of famer. Clearly it's going to be incredibly, it's going to be incredibly difficult to find another player as impactful um, as seven. And, you know, this generation of Steeler fans, might go through the same experience that I had, you know, after the steel curtain where I thought that, you know, Bill Cowher would never win a Super Bowl. After I watched Bill Cowher and the Steelers lose multiple AFC championship games in a variety of fashions, you know, I was just pretty much resigned to the fact that the Steelers weren't going to win another Super Bowl. And so, you know, I'm thankful that uh, seven came and the Steelers got to six championships because it was nice being, the first of five and the first of six. And so, you know, I think his legacy as a legend in Pittsburgh and an NFL legend uh, is completely solidified. And it was nice to see Ben emotional. um, And it was nice to see the send off that uh, Pittsburgh gave him. And I think he's absolutely right. Of course, I'm biased because I'm from Pittsburgh, but you know, when they love you in Pittsburgh, they love you in Pittsburgh. They love you for all your warts, everything they love when they love you in pittsburgh they love you in pittsburgh and when they turn on you in pittsburgh boy they turn on you in pittsburgh <laughs> so you, you know earn it back. it's a tough it's, it's it's a tough place to play you gotta earn the respect of the city because it's a legendary franchise and but you know they're gonna give it to you it, it, it's a passionate town that's passionate about its football team and it, it, if you're a player that you know, where that matters, you know, you're going to love to play in Pittsburgh. And I think his appreciation of the city is genuine. And I think you saw that in his emotion and you saw that in his performances over the years and the sacrifice uh, that he gave. Cause when you get set 555 times, you love football, you love the city and, and, and you're, um, you know, you're putting it all on the line. So, you know, from the new standard, you know, kudos to Big Ben. Thank you for the 18, 19 years of uh, of putting it all, all in line for the black and gold. I don't know if I can yeah. say anything else, but but just thank you for, for him playing hell of a football for the Steelers. Saw some of the best football in league history, certainly of, of the franchise, uh, come through in largely – visible ways with number seven. And I, I don't think we will see that again. I think we'll see something else eventually. I think they're, you know, records are made to be broken, you know, especially in an increasing league. We'll see something more, but for who Ben was as a quarterback for the, 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 pressure that he put on a defense for as hard as he made it to stop this team offensively the winning that he had uh he was a special player you know i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna miss ben for sure yeah and and we definitely will miss ben next year when we're watching uh mason rudolph mason rudolph's throwing for 2.7 yards a pass (laughs) which is normal for him (laughs) idiot but, God, but I, already, with, I already have heartburn even thinking of that. <laughs> but with that, no better way to close the show than with Neil calling Mason Rudolph an idiot. 
Um, <laughs> so maybe that is the maybe that is the best send off so for true. Ben Roethlisberger. Exactly. That the next guy is an idiot because uh, man, you idiot. <laughs> following suck. Terry Bradshaw, following Mason, I mean, following Ben Roethlisberger, man. It gets no tougher in the city of Pittsburgh because the first thing he's going to hear when he's at Capitol Grill, hey, Mason, you ain't no Ben. I mean, he's going to hear that. <laughs> when, parts, when he's ordering yellow gravy, he's going to hear, <laughs> you ain't no Ben. Boy, I wish we had Ben Roethlisberger back. Hey, man, so, hey, I pity the fool. I pity the fool if you're going to be Mason Rudolph next year in the city of Pittsburgh because, yikes, I would not want to be that guy following up Big Ben. It's going to be tough. But with that, we're going to go ahead and conclude the show. Thank you, everybody, for hopping on the program. Thank you, Big Ben Roethlisberger, for all of your years of service to the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, thank you, Seven, for uh, for laying on the line for Steeler Nation and for bringing Steeler Nation multiple championships and keeping the Steelers in the mix. Still got a little bit of football left. Stranger things have happened in the National Football League. Go Jacksonville Jaguars. Go oh, yeah. Steelers. You know, we'll see. It's all up in the air. And one thing we do know about Seven is he's going to lay it on the line in his last game as a Pittsburgh Steeler. But with that... We're going to conclude the program and as always, tune in, tell a friend and subscribe.